Hey everybody, welcome to episode 277. Um, I we had to reschedule this one due to my uh, my flight delays and stuff on on last Thursday. So uh, uh, we're happy to have uh, Pride of the Lion Seeds with us today. Thanks for joining us. It's good to be here. Uh, before we get started, I wanted to just remind everybody we have uh, Marty and I have been putting a lot of uh, new work into the um, uh, aquaponic cannabis class. You can find that at apmjclass.com. If you're looking for a full-length uh, aquaponic cannabis training course, uh, we have a, a ton of great content on there. Um, cut tons of extra videos that we don't have on YouTube and a bunch of other cool stuff on there. Um, uh, yeah. And then also be sure to check out uh, the Regen Conference this weekend, uh, if you haven't already. Um, pull the website up here real quick, just before we get started. We have the Regenerative Organic Cannabis Cultivation Conference. Um, this weekend's in Michigan. Um, so uh, if you're in Michigan, come out and join us over at Grow Green MI. Uh, we will have door tickets available as well. Uh, and then there's also the live stream. So if you've been waiting for a live stream, uh, you can get live stream tickets for that as well for the whole weekend. Uh, we'll have a ton of bonus content and a couple of different things for that as well. I think you guys will like it a lot. Uh, I'm putting that together myself. So I think you guys will like what we're cooking up. Uh, oh, and we'll also have like some of the different speakers available on chat for the live stream. So after they talk, we'll plop them down and have them answer questions for you guys as well and a bunch of other cool things. So uh, be sure to check that out. Uh, and then if you buy a ticket for the online or for the in-person, you also get a whole video library of all the different talks of the different things we're putting together, Fumador and I, um, uh, with Josh. And uh, we'll have this huge library of, of content, a bunch of other cool bonus content as well. Um, so I think you guys will like it a lot. All righty. Uh, thanks a lot for joining us. Um, why don't you tell us a little about yourself and, uh, and about your company? You, you know, you're really big into autoflowers and a bunch of other stuff that a lot of other people don't have a, a lot of expertise in. And you're also a, a big connoisseur of African cultivars, which is something that I'm very fond of as well. And I found that do very well here in Oklahoma, uh, uh, as well as uh, having been to Africa myself. So um, thanks a lot for joining us tonight. Uh, yeah, it's good to be here. And it's uh, it's nice that you you got rescheduled because last week I would have had a what a two day old three day old but now we have a one week old so, <laughs> um, but yeah so you know my story kind of starts at birth you know in the hills of uh, Mendocino County um, you know my dad was part of the the back to the land movement and he's he settled in Mendocino County because of their class K a building code where you could just go build a, a place in the woods off the grid, however you kind of wanted and didn't have to worry about, you know, putting a light socket every six feet or whatever. And uh, they started growing cannabis because, you know, they like to, to, to smoke it. And, you know, with uh, the war on drugs and, like them spraying like Paraquatico, like there wasn't good weed anymore in the United States are really hard to get. So a lot of people, my dad's generation started growing. And before he started growing, he was always saving seeds. Uh, so yeah, I was born off the grid up on the, in the mountains and 
into that emerging culture, which, you know, would last for decades and that we're still hanging on to here. And my dad was always making seeds, always saving pollen. And my older brother uh, was also always making seeds. And, you know, my grandmother had seeds, uncle, you know, the family had seeds. We were trading seeds with friends. And um, I came onto the family farm right out of high school because my older brother he got to grow with my dad when he was young kind of help out my dad kind of wanted me to go to school and stuff but you know I I say that uh, cannabis was is my gateway plant like my older brother and like he had house plants in our room and all these other things but you know cannabis was the first thing that I grew and you know now I have cactuses and lots of house plants you know we have over 60 fruit trees on the farm and I'm, I'm just obsessed with plants now and, and breathing plants is just there's something magical about taking some pollen and putting it onto something and harvesting those mature seeds and then growing them out and and now we're learning like the science learning how to breed lines and you know the autoflowers just kind of fell into my lap uh, I think my friend built a drum for somebody and got a, some seeds that were labeled early and they were auto flower and, and we've never been into doing light depth. So, you know, breeding for auto flowers is fun because you get fresh herb in the summer. Um, yeah. And that's kind of the, the, the basis of our story. And, you know, you mentioned the South, South African land races are the ones you can grow in the United States that finish in the right season that are sativa too, which is nice. Cause I, and, uh, that Swazi gold is the, is the best sativa I've ever smoked. You know, it was probably more reminiscent of what, you know, they were smoking like in my dad's generation when they were getting Colombia and, you know, South American Mexican sativa is something that was actually like a pure sativa. Yeah. Tell us a bit about some of your work with autos. I know that I'm definitely, uh, I actually have some currently soaking in water to, to pop here before I leave for Michigan. Um, so uh, uh, tell us a bit about that. Uh, you have a, a whole bunch of different awesome autos and uh, uh, I know we're going to also be running a quite a few uh, here on a bigger run uh, before too long. Um, uh, I'll, I'll be ha- definitely happy to, to show those off here once they get a little bit bigger. Yeah, I'm, gosh, I don't, it's hard to keep track of the, but, but I've always been interested in autoflowers since when I first learned about them, but it also never, when I first learned about them, I never, you know, I saw some, I was like, Oh, I didn't ever order them online or anything like that. And, um, I just got a few in, in trades and, uh, started, like I said, that drum for this hobby breeder on the coast and, they were labeled early just and i tracked down a little more information later uh it was uh lionsgate og with a mexican early girl and they were just selecting on the coast things that were finishing earliest i don't even know if, if they made if they knew that they had made an auto flower but it was pretty you know wide and the phenotypes and i started stabilizing it and um that's the the lion's claw it's lion's gate og with a probably a mexican 
cultivar that had some Siberian ruderalis in it. I would imagine how that's happened. And, and then I just, I've gotten a few other regular auto flowers and seed trades. Um, and my friend's dad gave me, um, it was this, it was, uh, I renamed it Calibre after his farm, but he got it from his, his, he got it from his dad, gave it to me and it was just unknown Mexican auto flower. Uh, so I named it after his farm, Calibre Spirit. And that one actually has like really unique floral turfs. And then I guess three years ago now, I did a big project where I bred the, um, the lion claw in with full terms. And I think um, it was like in a few other auto hybrids at the time, but mostly lion claw. And I bred it in with 60 or 70 full term varieties. And then I took that and made 300 combinations of partially auto flowering. And I'm now working my way through those slowly. I think I did the first 50 last summer and did the third generation of inbreeding, which makes it fully autoflowering because it's the autoflowering is a recessive trait. So it doesn't show up in the F1. And, and I, I don't know if it, it's probably not all autoflowers like that, but the lion claw is a stud in like those F1 full terms, like most of them, I'm like, wow, this is like better than it was. You wouldn't think that crossing an autoflower into your full term is going to make some things better. But a lot of the stuff I really liked what the lion claw did with it. And I've even taken some of those lines and bred them photo period in the second generation instead of breeding them. Uh, and the lion claw, is, as you'll find out, has a really complex turfing. It has a profile. It's, I mean, we hit like 3% turfings with it too on our farm, but we have the, the you know, the no-till kind of, but then again, the, the autos, we just plugged into the clay on the hillside. It wasn't like they were in like the main farm or anything like that. I don't know if you've seen that the picture there's just this slope and then this as far as you can see our um our auto flowers on it um i think it's farther down here is it this one no that's um but those are auto flowers it one? might be for Oh, no, that's my hoogles that we did a, a row in. Um, find it. This and one? then, oh, yeah, that's a, the, uh, a field project of, of the lion claw. Yeah. Reminds me of some of the Jamaican flats, like the, the height and the... Yeah, I wonder how they are. We're going to find out because we have some people growing them in, in areas where it gets like the 12 12. There you go. There's a nice hillside with a bunch on it. Very nice. And then, yeah, it's. Go ahead. Uh, but I, I think I'm. Still, I'm not sure uh, which I, I like better for, but it's nice. It's fun breeding the autoflowers because you get more than one generation in a year full term, which is fun to see. And it's been a lot of fun breeding the autoflowers in the photo periods and, and then working them both directions and uh, to, to get the early finishers. And, you know, now it's just the the market's just crazy now in California, but um, 
still got some pink hairs on that one that's nice yeah it's it's definitely there i'd have a one seed lot pink hair lying for sure and then i i didn't cross i crossed the calibre the purple autoflower in with the pinkleberry from mm -hmm. uh nick very cool Um, so uh, I, I know, what are some of the advantages for people that um, maybe haven't grown autos before um, that, that, you know, I, I know I'm personally, you just mentioned a couple of them, but I think they're also great for people that have never grown cannabis before. I know Jeff Lowenthal has a whole book on that about, you know, how to just get started growing cannabis. And it is kind of nice that, you know, people can throw them in with other stuff and it'll just kind of flower out. They don't have to really fuss with it. Um, I know I often recommend it for people in aquaponics if they've never grown cannabis at all before just because you can just run it at 16 hours with, you know, your tomatoes and your cucumbers and everything else and nothing's going to, you know, be, be off at all. So um, what are some of the other things that you... Uh, um, or, yeah, and for people who uh, first time growers or even like the older generation too, that's like, you know, maybe they can't, you know, um, they just want a couple plants in their backyard. They don't want a big tree to deal with. Uh, I know that's I've seen that um, come back and, and had some feedback on people or have their like elderly parents growing again. And then the, the climate, like when people hit me up for like, oh, I'm in like a tough climate, I usually make three recommendations, you know, because we have some early finishing full term varieties that are mold and mildew resistance. And we have like some early girls that are, you know, and then and it's like, you should try the line clock because in a hundred days you're going to have fresh flower. And if you time that last 30 days for your best month in wherever region in the world you are, like as far as like moisture and humidity to go all the better. But you know, I get feedback from people like growing on the, on the, like the near Lake Michigan. It's like, Oh yeah, I had a line claw that was rained on like 14 times in flower and, you know, still was a good harvest uh and that's a and then for like me as like a on the commercial side of cultivation who i, I never really been attracted to doing light depth to be able to pull in a crop even if it's just going for oil production in the summer it's, it's very beneficial um and then i know people who do like indoor if they have on their personal growth they can turn their veg room into a flower room you, by uh, putting in some autoflowers and, and taking advantage of that space if they have any. I know I, uh, Vertica Aquaponics, who I work with here in Oklahoma, in the wintertime, they don't need as many um, uh, moms because they're not producing clones for sale as much for other people. Um, they mainly do that for the springtime. Um, so they'll just take half the mom room and run autos in that same space just to cash out a little bit more because the clone sales you know slow down for the winter and then you know from a breeding a breeder standpoint like it's especially like last year it was, a, it, was a, it was a second year of a really bad drought here so i scaled back my breeding program but i still have got to do a fairly large early summer autoflower breeding program and with the drought which was which was nice to still have that creative room to play and and then also with the autoflowers as a breeder, I get a, I start a run in late fall that where I'm at in a little microclimate in a greenhouse, I 
I harvest the, the seeds in December and January and do a seed run in the middle of winter with very little supplemental heating. Like sometimes I write, you know, I light a heater a few nights out of that run when it gets down below the 30s, which is where we're at in Northern California and a little bit of a banana belt. It doesn't happen very often. I did this this fall run. I got some clones in there too to to do a specific back cross for a project I'm working on to making a, a fully auto uh, lemon head with the Willits lemon head, which is the Tahoe Kim. So I did the third generation back cross, but then I decided to get some other clones just from some friends just for fun. And, and you could tell in the hoop uh, which ones were the clones because they didn't really have bud structure. It was very larfy and the autos had buds, on um, you know, low light winter run. And then I have friends, also another benefit of the autos on the similar path is you can do a late or earlier run with an auto flower with no supplemental lighting, very little supplemental heating, and you can get a good run out of a greenhouse. Our friends in Redwood Valley right now are, are, are doing a little in-house and it all going to go to hash. And, and that's another thing about the line claws. It does hash. I guess some autos don't really wash, but you know, it's an average yielder, but that's average across the board. That's I've heard it's above average for an auto. Nice. Yeah. I'm definitely looking forward to running some of your lion's claw for, for sure here before too long. Also uh, welcome West engine. How's it going? Pretty good, man. Pretty good. <laughs> I mean, besides the, uh, Besides my issue being turned into a communist state here, I mean, pretty good. Oh, yeah. Hopefully you didn't buy the truckers donuts. No, well, no, but my brother did. So he's all fucking scared that he's going to get his account shut down. <laughs> the uh, There was some lady that like some uh, was dropping off donuts and food every day and they froze all of her stuff. And it was like, really? You're going <laughs> to harass the poor donut lady? You know, all she did was support Tim Hortons. Come on. Yep. <laughs> um, Crazy. But. Um, so uh, why don't you tell us a little about some of the African lines that you do? I saw you have an amazing Swazi line. Uh, you have some uh, some other cool, uh, you have some cool stuff from Ghana. Um, tell us about some of the different lines that you've been working from Africa, because I'm definitely interested in those ones. Yeah, I mean, uh, the Swazi gold is the one I've been working the longest. Um, uh, and I have some others I, I need to pop. Uh, but of course, just South Africa, again, with the early finishing cold. I think, like, doesn't Durban come from there? And I have Maybe. a... Not too far yeah. from there. So, yeah, I have some Durban seeds I'm going to pop this year, too. And um, I got... Um, my friend Mario gave me some Durban orange seeds that I grew out in another generation. And... Um, I'm actually going to, because I have a little medical project on uh, Southern Slope with a greenhouse. So I'm definitely going to do like a little land race breeding, late season breeding project in, in there. Um, I've got, got some ties going to be going, but just I'm more attracted to the African sativas because they finish better here, you know, but the. I'm excited for that. That someone someone sending me some psychoactive hemp seed, Thai hemp seeds. So, uh, you know, be curious to try those out. 
because I find I find some CBD is definitely more psychoactive than than others. So in a, in a different way than than cannabis, like it's for, for CBD, it almost like affects my dream state more like going like I can almost enter the dream state, like still awake with CBD on it. But depends on the, the line, whereas like uh, cannabis is more psychoactive while I'm active. Again, I wonder too if I have that gene that Western Europeans. There's some Western Europeans they've isolated a gene where cannabis is more psychoactive for, for you. And I've definitely, you know, as a grown, as a, you know, younger, like middle school kid, definitely hallucinated. But that can be, you know, a lot of time someone's first experience of cannabis can be like a hallucination. But then as like like a you know, grown man at the end of harvest after like smoking very regularly during harvest still had some like vivid experiences with cannabis, which is very interesting. Um, I know uh, all the stuff I know from Zim is takes forever to finish so far. So uh, it's interesting that you're having a, a lot of fast finishers. That's, that's definitely. Uh... Yeah, I don't. I know that a lot of there are some like, like especially like the ones from like, because uh, some of the um, genetics in Africa come from in the India route, like on the ships there, and they're. I just wonder about if it's probably something to do more with the light cycle in South Africa that's caused those to evolve to that you know shorter flowering time, versus the more northern or closer to the equator ones. But I don't, I'm not a, I'm not sure. Well, the rain's a lot more seasonal there too, right? So it, it, it makes sense for it to kind of have a, a faster finishing that's going to run out of rain. So it's going to select for that pretty quickly. Yeah, and I don't know if you've ever seen DJ Shorts, like breeding family tree and it's like two different ties and two different Afghanis and that's his, that's his whole family tree. I didn't know that. That's cool. Um, what are some of the different traits you look for in males uh, as far as breeders go? Yeah, I mean, it's all about the terps here. You know, usually at first. I mean, that's the easiest way to narrow the selection. Uh, is, uh, you know, a good stock rub to at least reduce the population. And we, I see a lot of males that we do like a bigger sifts than a lot of people I know when who keep males. So if I'm really excited about a line, I'll, I'll flower out like 10 males. And, and then you get a look at their, their bud structure and uh, like in the feel, the look, the, and usually, you know, I find a male where it's like, oh, that's the one. I don't know. It's still more of that like intuition, but that intuition backed by, you know, experience, which is how we should move through the world, you know, like have an idea of what we want to do and then, you know, see what comes to us. Um, I have like tested for THC in males with collaboration projects before. I'm probably will be doing more of that in the future. Just, you know, in the Cali market here, it's kind of, you know, people want high testing, 
you know, plans for now. So, you know, for maybe from like a slightly more commercial standpoint, I might be getting into more of that. But then again, I'm also going to just going to keep doing what I like to do and, you know, breeding for, for flavor and uh, effect versus THC. <laughs> so on, um, what are some of the different traits of that Ghana cannabis? I've never heard anybody get any um, cultivars from there. Uh, how did that work out for you? You know, I don't, that project didn't really actually uh, come to fruition very well. Yeah. Um, but I definitely want to try it again. I didn't, I was not able, I don't think those um, germinated. Okay. Um, but I did, I did, I did have a pack of that someone, someone sent me those. Yeah. Um, and that happens sometimes. Sometimes they sat in the car or something and got too hot, you know? Yeah. Um, definitely want to try a gibberellic acid. If you have a couple of seeds left, it might, might wake them back up. Um, yeah. So what, uh, what are some of your different tips and tricks you have for pollen preservation or, or pollen transfer? You know, do you store your pollen at all, or do you do it all just, you know, with live males? Um, do both. Yeah. But I definitely store pollen and freeze pollen and, it's very hard to preserve pollen. Um, so when we do, and it's a lot of work, um, but we started off just doing like the, um, you know, bring a couple males inside and put them under a dish, you know, Pyrex or, you know, whatever. And, but then when it went from a couple males to, you know, 25 males, we had to get creative. And I made like my first, pollen box prototype where I just had a big wardrobe cardboard box and uh, pre-slit the sides down and then tape them back up and pre-cut a cardboard square to go on the bottom covered parchment paper and let a male flower out outdoors and get chunky and just start to open and then bouquet it put it in a jar of water and put it in the box and but then like cleaning them out in between males, the cardboard kind of warps. You kind of get one season out of them and a wardrobe box is pretty expensive. So I had my friend in uh, his wood shop helped me make some wooden ones with a little drawer on the bottom with a plexiglass sheet. And I think we got over 30 of those uh, now. So I'm probably going to add a couple more this year. And you can, I can now collect pollen from you know 30 males at one time in these boxes and i think i was i was on uh shango's podcast podcast if anyone out there wants to listen to a full hour of just on pollen collection and preservation and stuff and uh i think if you have like a deep freezer you can keep pollen for more than but in your normal freezer maybe you'll get another 18 months maybe another two years out of that pollen you save but then, you know, we've had like put the power outs or like there's so many things that can happen. And if the pollen thaws for 20 minutes, it's, it's done. But I have successfully stored and used frozen pollen the at least the next season, which because it is so much work to, to do that. It's nice to get as much out of that as you can. Yeah, I definitely have to check that out uh, uh, as well. Uh, Shango's got a great podcast over there with Shaping Fire. Uh, if you guys have um 
what are some of the different oddballs that you found doing your breeding? Have you had any uh, funky mutations or traits or anything, you know, memorable or, or noteworthy along the way? Yeah, I've actually seen an autoflower, one of the lion claw, completely reveg, like fully bud, reveg, and then flower again and finish in the fall. That was what, probably with the auto was one of the, because autos do weird stuff. And that was definitely one of the weirdest I've ever seen. Really weird. That's almost like the Reunion Island, uh, you know, the one that's supposed to, you know, flower a couple of times before it finishes completely. Yeah, I, I, I saved all the seeds from that one. I haven't grown any of them out yet, but, you know, I don't, some people can clone an auto. They, um, there's actually someone here locally. They they kept the grow room at 80 degrees, the light at like over 20, but less than 24. And and under those conditions, it would just veg. Oh yeah, the the twin seeds. Supposedly, one of those is is like a genetic identical to its mother. That's interesting. That's at least what I read. And then, you know, with, I'd say with like, especially keeping like large male populations, I find more, it's really important to look over your male because I find more just males with a few female hairs, you know, more hermaphrodites in the male populations. And, you know, I find some hermaphrodites in my male populations that I've never found one in a female population of that same cultivar, which is, I, I don't know, just, interesting it's really interesting i wonder what the trigger is on that that's that's strange i guess maybe there's no downside to the plant having some female parts but there is to having male parts i don't know and then i don't know one of the early on and we had this one plant that just grew like what it looked like i think my older brother called it like swahili or something but it just had like long trindles coming out like with nodes on it and no like bud structure that was one of the strangest plants that we've ever seen because it came from just like the family stock which was mexican south american cross with afghani um that's okay. the fun thing about it has like threads with like calyxes on it kind of almost yeah 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 well, i wonder if there's even like i know in the autos they call it like I've seen that once or twice. I've n I always thought that was strange. I just figured it was something weird with the nutrients or, or you know some other weird thing that had caused it. That's cool. I wonder if it's like a genetic mutation, like the Grindle spoon in autoflowers. You know that one, or uh, it's like the it real seems... small buds all all down the thing. Yeah, kind of, kind of. Now that I know, put connect those dots. I wonder if it's something like that. Yeah, it'd be interesting to get a, a whole plant that's all like spidery, like a spider plant you can like hang up in the corner or something. It'd be kind of neat, like a droop, droopy, like <laughs> just slip off like a, a joint's worth, you know, <laughs> like those hanging pearl plants. <laughs> and I've seen some albino buds on males and females, which is interesting. This, you know, some of the, um, I don't know. I and mean, it's just fun that you just keep seeing different, like, uh, you know, terpene profiles and noses and like the combinations of it. And like one of the Swazi gold phenotypes is this chocolate berry. 
and is it like a rare phenotype and um i have uh one generation of seeds that i made on that chocolate berry i have grown some out haven't come across small populations though but um or like we have a uh, banana jack but it's a blueberry afghan diesel jack with lemon banana sherbet and that that f1 probably had some of the most flip from chocolate mint ice cream to sweet bananas and mangoes with like a jack finish that that population had like so many flavors in it do you have any questions Wes? <laughs> uh yeah i guess um so uh, like i've always noticed with autoflowers i find a lot of uh instability um just i'd like what do you do to uh find a more uh consistent product with uh in your breeding because i i, I just find every time i've crossed anything i get stuff that's all over the place and yeah i mean you have to um with a you have to work the line and usually just pick one male with your which can be harder to do because like autos yep. are smaller plants so like a lot of times there's like multiple if you keep doing like multiple males in your sift you're going to keep getting like a diverse population so that so can really help. the number of males okay yeah like one and and then it's also with autos it's harder to you know because you got like this shorter time and i know that like a lot of you can't clone it so you can't like you have to like find your breeder mid stride that you're looking for and, and and that can be harder to do with an with an auto um you know harder to find those traits and but yeah I, limit the the males in your and then bring them down successive generations like the lion claws like an f8 uh and it, it is still showing four phenotypes i'd say three of them are blendable and one of one of them the more rare one that isn't blendable but it doesn't show up so, as much ooh, in the population where did you get your lion cloth from what was the what was the origin um I, it came I, I here. hopefully i didn't it miss was, that already you did, but it, just, it was developed. Here <laughs> Sorry, on the, uh, it was developed here on, on the on the coast. It's a Lionsgate OG with a, a Mexican early grow. Oh, okay, nice. And the the Mexican early girls and I like I've I've grown some early girl before that uh, that was an extremely interesting plant. It had a lot of color to it. It was a very pink plant. It was the most pink plant I think I've ever grown. Yeah, um, I think there's like a, early girls probably been used to coin a lot of different. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. Everyone, every country probably got an early girl. And there's like, yeah. The... Do you have any tips or tricks for people as far as breeding and and um, you know ensuring that they get a, a proper pollination? Yeah. So um, when you collect your pollen, like don't skimp on the cheap moisture packet, and like you know, because if you're gonna put it in a jar and close it up make sure you have a really good moisture packet in there and just keep it don't even keep if you're going to use it that season don't even keep it in the in the fridge just keep it pantry like cool and dry because you don't want to be taking it from the fridge to the outer environment because you any little bit of moisture in there is gonna gonna ruin the population 
Um, and the timing and, you know, know how long you have in your season. And then another, a good, I'll build little lean twos or little teepee things over my uh, seed branches and cover them with plastic. If the rains are going to come just to keep the, you know, cause you don't want your seeds to crack or sprout, especially a lot of these, you know, more commercial strains uh, have these easy to sprout seeds. Or, um, and then, go ahead. Oh, and with the autoflowers, is you know, if you have regular autoflower seeds, it's really easy to keep a male in a, in a small pot and a female in a small pot and put them somewhere where you're not gonna like pollinate the rest of your garden. You can even bring them inside, pollinate them, rinse them off, and get enough seeds to work with for a very long time. Yeah, for sure. They're amazing little plants. I, I've I, I've I've really enjoyed them when I when I do grow them. I mean. Some of them are lackluster and uh, that I found a little bit mm -hmm. disappointing, but, uh, but I find them very interesting because I live really far up North here and um, they're really, I can do life depth. I've got, I've gotten life depth in a few times, but it's a lot of work and I can't always guarantee I'm going to be around. So autoflowers have always yeah. been something that I've been very curious about and wanting to fit into my, fit into my world, but just kind of been waiting for them to get there. You know what I mean? I mean, we've had multiple people this summer, you know, test the line claw out at 24% THC. Really? That's awesome. Yeah. We hit like 20 with it and 3% terpenes. And, you know, some people hit upper teens. Um, just, yeah. it's And then I took the line claw and, you know, I crossed it into a bunch of new flavors. You know, I've got a nice blueberry lion claw now and like golden lemons. Like there's some, yeah, that's kind of, this is all just tubs of, this is a seeded auto flower. I was just happy that you didn't say it was a low rider. I'm like, oh man, that's just a no, headache in the back. Normally, <laughs> I, normally I, I put up like a nice little curtain here for these things, but I forgot, and, but it's kind of fun just to see the tubs of seeded. This is my office. Oh yeah, this is a, a lion's claw, golden lemons, Kirkwood OG. Do you have any uh, special tips for separating your seeds? No, there's, I mean, there's no. <laughs> just the old I, fashioned, just pick, pick, pick. Yeah. Actually, this is nice right here. This little, this little bucket screen right here. I got, you know, a lot of people, you use air and you need an air cleaner, but I got a bucket screen and some pie trays because I'm into like the pranayama, so I'll just get a nice little workout going here. And just for, for like if I'm cleaning up like a bag, like I just showed you with one seeded autoflower, I'll just use these, do it by hand here in the office with the trays. But if I'm going to do like larger uh, plant material, uh, the zigzag seed separator is nice. It's a little slower. I also like uh, Mean Jeans uh, Bucket Tech. Um, where you just get a trash can and a shop vac, but you can blow all your seeds out of that. You got to, it's like a little, you got to have a little, but it's quick. Fine art. And then <laughs> I have a friend in, in, in the hemp game and you know, what they found out worked better than a $10,000 air cleaner to get like the final clean on their, their seeds was a rain gutter lined with felt. And you put like the seeds with a little bit of chaff on down a rain gutter lined with felt. And, the plant material and the stem stick to the 
fell and the seeds go through. So nice. There, there really, I mean, there is like a, cause the heart, you still have to grind it up by hand and any of those methods that I know anybody use. I mean, there is a, I did get to use a, a Kincaid industrial hemp thresher. Um, my friend had one that he was gonna, he was in the hemp game. He's he told me about the, um, the rain gutter tech and they got sunsetted out of Santa Barbara. It was in the town nearby here and he was going to sell it to someone in Oregon. I got to run this like $45,000 industrial thresher, which was definitely like overkill. Right. But we, we cleaned up like 1.2 million regular auto flower seeds. Holy cow. Um, yeah. Fuck, what does I mean, that I'm look like? Is that like some... a 50 gallon drum or like, what does that look like? Uh, <laughs> I, I think Steve can pull up the picture of that maybe if you can find it on my Instagram. But yeah, it, it's like like that of seeds. It's like <laughs> and uh, like a, a nice ostrich bag full of seeds. Uh, I think they're going to make meditation cushions eventually because nobody wants that many uh, regular auto flower seeds. Um, but they they do make a um, not Kincaid, but there is a. Um, a smaller electric thresher where you can put bucked flour into it and seeds come out but it's like 24 grand Jeez. last time i looked into it which yeah so for for now it's you know just the main there's no really it's more artisan when you use your hands you gotta, you gotta <laughs> there's there's no way anybody i know like i guess some i actually my friend sent me a video. He used a paint stir and he put zip ties on the sides of it to like crush up the flower, the flower. Like, so there probably is a way, you know, I've even seen like the pre-roll. Have you, I don't know if you've seen some of the pre-roll grinders for like commercial pre-roll production. They're like, you know, this big and they got plastic tines on the inside. Like, I wonder if you took one of those and took off the plastic tines to put like silicone ties, tines in something like that where it would grind up the flour, but not, not chip the seeds, you know? So you could probably figure out something like that. Um, and yeah, I'm, I have seeds that I haven't cleaned up from like two years ago in flour. <laughs> I'll get some of them out and yeah. So it's storage is becoming, going to become an issue for me for like to keep things cool of my, my seeded flower and seeds yeah i need a cave and deep in the hillside or something would be good an old old abandoned mine <laughs> but i guess what you know what i'm going to do for the ones that are a chest freezer because we're off grid where we're going to be at with the propane because then you and the, the one that opens up from the top because then you can just set it for the warmest setting and it'll like, you know, keep it a, a nice, to, and then when you open it, the, the cool doesn't spill out. And like some of my seeds are in like refrigerator storage and like, I'll just get them out in the winter time, like, uh, and then put them back and go through them. And, but then the cool thing about seeds is like, you're not trying to hold on to things forever. You're just, you're trying to, to keep playing and creating and, you know, I, I probably will experiment with like, you know, freezing seeds for more to try to get more viability out of some. But then again, again, like if you had a deep freezer too deep, you need two deep freezers. 
that you can like slowly deep freeze and then slowly bring it out. So because if you could slowly bring your seeds into a deep freeze and then slowly bring them out, you could probably store them in, you know, indefinitely. But I'm not there yet. And I don't know if we need to, you know, you don't really need to be there because they're seeds. And although we're in that culture that's like, oh, the cut of this forever, you know, but it's, it is fun to, I don't know. I think there's something more interesting about seeds. I mean, she's not maybe guaranteed the top-notch quality of a of a classic breeder's cut, but I mean, like, there's something to the vigor and the, the experience of growing it and watching it. And like, usually, I I find I pick out like my keepers like real early. I can just tell them as they're growing, like before you know. You're just like, oh, look at the capillaries on that just building up and the, the strength that that one has. Like, this is going to be the one. And sometimes you're disappointed and sometimes, you're, sometimes you find gold. Like, oh, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, know I love lucky. popping beans. I love popping beans. Yeah. And, and you, we have to respect the clone, too, because it, it, can, it, it is an, another amazing part of the cannabis plant that you can, you know, clone and keep it going. And it can be a, a helpful breeding tool. You know, if I wasn't like off grid my whole life, I might be more into clones. But yeah, I'm I'm definitely excited for some of these new flavors, especially some of the new flavors for autos, just because I'm gonna get to see them sooner this summer. Yeah, I got I got a bubble gum. I got well, one of them that one of the real standout winners is I'm calling it orange peel OG. And it, it was a uh, lion claw turbo diesel with a uh, Tahoe Kim. And it smelled like burnt oranges and gas, just that nice cush nose on it. Um, and yeah, the golden, the golden lemons lion claw, there was one of those that just amazing lemon smell to it. Uh, got a tangy lion, tangy roar. As my brother-in-law's like tangy roar, I'm like that's a great name for that. Um, and then I do have some like CBD lines I'm working into the. I um, I crossed the lion claw in with a red cross, which is a hemp strain for a lion heart. And you know, it would be nice to get a good good ratio of CBD to THC in that. Um. And do you have to depth where you are up in Canada just to finish? Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah, yeah and right. any, yeah, no, no. I'm at, I'm up at the uh, 56, uh, 56 line of latitude. I'm I'm up in zone two. It's real fucking cold up here. Yeah, yeah, because I am you know friends with Josh and Kelly, and they have to start their, their flowering up their greenhouses early to get them to finish up there. Yeah. So you're 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 if you're I'm even further north than that and then more interior, so I get harsher weather. Yeah, so your season's pretty short then. Pretty short. Uh like I got perfect autoflower weather. That's for fucking goddamn sure. I like I get light till about uh twelve thirty, one PM at the peak of summer. You know, I know or some people midnight. Yeah. Yeah, so. So, some people though with like the hundred day out like the lion claw, but some of the times that's too much light for them and, and they veg um okay yeah 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 they can they, oh, so, they're, so they're that close to being a regular eh i, I don't know it's just a hundred day auto flowers are different than like your 70 day auto flowers as far as like their 
there you can transplant a hundred day auto flower multiple okay. times and and you're not gonna there's transplant sensitive but not doesn't See, mean I, i've never had a problem transplanting an auto flower yeah. I, I treat them like every other plant and never have a fucking problem everybody like well i guess not that's not totally true every once in a while maybe say one in 12 stunt but like it, it i figured that one in 20 was going to stunt anyways autos and peppers well, uh, transplant pepper plants they fucking hate that okay yeah well, send me your info. We'll, we'll try some of the line claw up there, see if they've edged. <laughs> right on. Yeah, I'm definitely excited to, uh, I was talking to you when we were out there, like to, to try and find a breeder that has worked uh, auto flowers as long as you have, you know, up to an F8 and, and all that. So I'm super, super stoked to run it and super you know, excited about that. Um, you're also a, a Dempure certified farmer, correct? I believe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tell us about that and uh, and how you know how you um, uh, enjoyed you know going through that process and then you know maybe some of the challenges it took to, to get into that. Yeah, so Heart Rock Mountain Farm is like the family farm I grew up on, and like you know, Pride of Lion Seeds is kind of just like my little personal genetics project, and I I do. I make seeds in my personal use garden and a couple other like little smaller personal use medical grows. And then Heart Rock Mountain Farm does have a commercial nursery license where we, where we make a bunch of seeds. Um, and yeah, like I was second generation. So I grew up under the wings of my dad and older brother. And my first year was great uh, because I had their guidance and uh I remember like the neighbors came up and saw my little patch and they're like beginner's luck, but you know, 19 years later, it's, it's still, it's not beginner's luck anymore. Um, but we were, you know, my, we were always using good inputs and before I even heard about um, dragonfly earth medicine, you know, the, uh, there was like um, this conference up in Laytonville at a festival and, you know, just because it's organic doesn't mean it is not, it's not doing harm. So then you find out that like, oh, like bat guanos harvested from active mines that, you know, and they don't pay their workers a fair wage or have proper respiratory equipment or the harvesting. And so, there's, you know, just because something's a good input doesn't mean that you should be inputting into your farm and your garden. So that was like really eye opening. So, you know, and I never felt good about like when I started growing, like my ice blood meal, feather meal always felt weird to me. I'm like, I don't want to use this stuff. And then you later I find out about like the, you know, the hormones and antibiotics that can be found in organic feather meal, you know? And so then I was at the Emerald Cup, I guess in, I think 2016. And I think that was the first year they did the Regenerative Farm Award. And I was just high enough on some THC honey and like, you know, listening to like Josh and Kelly and, you know, Nick with Green Source Gardens and, and Moon Gazers, you know, and seeing Kugel cultures. And then, yeah, it was uh, enlightening. Uh, and then, yeah, we, we, the, the, we were, we had just gone legal. We, so we could expand our family farm and we put in hugel cultures and we started working towards no-till which you know it it takes time to be to 
I guess time is like the biggest hurdle in having a regenerative farm because it, it takes time to get in the diverse the biodiversity. Are you a KNF guy or Jadam guy or a little bit of both? Um, I guess it's more Jadam because it's just takes less to do it. And yeah, we're, me and my, yeah, me uh, too, my brother-in-law. I'm the Jadam side myself. We're about to go harvest a bunch of mistletoe. I'm very excited to do a nice mistletoe Jadam and, uh, for a high phosphorus uh, food. And the compost teas are nice too. Like just, you know, like the fermenting, I guess that's, you know, more Jadam style too. Um, but yeah, K KNF, it just seems like too much. But there are some cool things about KNF, like the IMO collections and stuff like that, which there's definitely some some things that are exciting about that. Yeah, I definitely think IMO is a much uh, safer method than the Rigidom, you know, equivalent in terms of making sure that you get the the good microbes. I think you, it's a lot easier to screw up the, and do you know damage with the Jadam microbial collection, at least in my opinion. Yeah, anyway, and when we were interested in, and then for me, it's like with with you know, I thought with uh the dragonfly earth medicine certification i thought i never would be good enough like i was like oh, i just gotta like you know my farm's never gonna be but then you know when they when you get out there and, and you do see like the biodiversity that we do have like they're like it was no problem to get certified um but it's just you can go so deep into it you know and the, you just keep going deeper. You just can keep planting more flowers and keep, you know, closing the loops. And uh, and that's the kind of the beautiful thing about regenerative farming is, you know, and farming in general, you don't stop learning. You don't stop growing. You don't start stop like uh, increasing your biodiversity. And you know, like, you know, like Josh and Sandra in Redwood Valley, like, you know, they have one of the nicest little farms I've stepped foot on and it was i haven't only been to a few other you know but just the biodiversity they have in flowers and food production and you know and josh just leaves the bunnies and the turkeys to just hang out there and you know it's, it's very buddha like yeah <laughs> um and it's healthy like to have who would have known you would just need more flowers to have a healthy farm <laughs> Well, there's something about it, about natural farming that really connects you to nature and you feel more of a connection to nature because you're doing less harm and you're, you're trying to be one with it. Like, I really feel there's something to it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's commercial farming is weird, right? You just like clear cut an area and like plant one crop there and then you spray it a bunch and yeah, it's, it's, you're not one with nature there. <laughs> And, and, you know, Josh and Kelly are just such amazing, you know, kind-hearted, warm, loving people that, like, that's, like, one of the coolest parts about having a regenerative farm is you get to be in that family. And you get to be treated like family and hang out with really amazing, beautiful people. And your garden benefits from it, too. Yeah, definitely. Had a good time with the Hive Collective and a bunch of other fun events with them. So definitely awesome people for sure. Uh, what are some of your favorite organic inputs that you're using in your garden uh, 
as far as um, you know, are you doing any type of organic amendments aside from what we talked about? I mean, like it's pretty much just as local as you can get compost and manure, and and I like I'm kind of mixing up the the hay straw local from local hay to you know the alfalfa when it's available or can be sourced you know we do a lot of and local wood chips just kind of and then you know the trace minerals and that's kind of like all you really need to do you know and that's one thing i learned early on is that cannabis is like one of the more over fertilized um commercial or product crops there are because you know, oh, it's worth so much money. I should put like so much into it. I mean, not anymore, but you know, back in the day, it was like it, it heavily over fertilized. So, and that's the nice thing about like the regenerative farming too, is like less is more and they don't. And then going like no-till, maybe you're not getting uh, as big as plants, but you're getting like a healthier plant. You're getting a higher terpene content. And like every year our terpenes have been going up and I'm really excited this year to be planting in four-year-old Google cultures that we like, we dug the trenches three foot wide, two foot deep. We did five foot of like logs and trees and, and materials. And those are, so I'm really excited for, for those, you know, proper Hoogles uh, and just to see those terpenes keep climbing. Yeah. And like a, and for, forest and like Patricia there in San Rusa Pencovolo, like I realized I wasn't using the, as enough compost if I wanted to get big no-till trees. Like, you know, they use like two yards of plant sometimes. And they also have the Covolo water, which I don't have. Like what they give their plants in a week, I give my plants in a month. And we grow under thick mulch with like the inline drippers because we don't have a lot of water. Yeah, it was just in uh, Puerto Rico, and <clears throat> I, I had to, was out consulting for a farm. It's a large, they had CBD and THC at this facility in different parts of the property. Uh, they have to have a big fence for their THC stuff and all that. Um, but uh, they had a bunch of white plastic everywhere, and it was like, why the fuck would you use plastic in the tropics? Like, this is, it's just going to cook the crap out of your roots. And then you see a bunch of plants that are like, clearly root stressed because they're wilting or they're just flopped over at the base and it's like yeah you cooked them right like what are you doing like just get some cover crop down get some thyme or some oregano get that yeah. roots and that'll be a, one pushing the bugs away and two hell of a lot cheaper than all that plastic is <laughs> you know it's, it's it's cheaper per acre to do that i don't understand why people you know Maybe people just don't understand that, but thyme especially is good because it loves to host many of the same mycorrhizae that cannabis, cannabis loves. I think people just don't understand that because I, I see it here in the valley, like people growing on top of fertile valley farmland. They put plastic down and then using like grow bags. And I'm like, what? Like, yeah. And like, you know, sure, there can there can be like problems with like rodents and stuff in the ground, but like if you just make a wire basket the size of your root ball or the size of the biggest plant you transplant out of, because I've grown in some high gopher activity area, you make a little basket, you plant it in there, you're good. But we have to do that with like cherries and plums and stuff because the gophers keep getting them. What I found worked really well in San Diego is you can get the, it's called a cocona, I think it is, or cocoa. 
uh, it's a ground cherry, it's a nightshade. You can get them through rare seeds. Sorry, I muted myself for a second. Um, uh, I'll pull it up here. I have them on Baker Creek. Uh, oh, ground cherries can be good too. Yeah, so, but the ground cherries and the nightshades have high amount of histamine in them. The roots grow in with the cannabis and it um, uh, kind of helps deter them. Yeah, I mean, we've had some bad rodent issues these past couple with the droughts and the fires in the area. It's been increasing rodent activity. To find them. I have a bunch of the seeds that I ordered. Anyways, it worked really well uh, putting the ground cherries and stuff uh, at the base of the cannabis to try and help discourage them. Uh, That's good. I'm gonna, I'm gonna write. I'm gonna write that down too. I can't seem to find it at the moment, but uh, it's a, a type of nightshade. They have it for sale on Baker Creek, and I just can't find it real quick. I don't want to waste too much time going over it. But um, yeah, another good plant to have companion plant is the uh, motherwort. Because the rodents, you know, most things prefer anything other than ganja to chew on because <laughs> it's like so spicy in itself. But if there's nothing else, they'll, they'll go for it. But the, um, we found that um, they went after the motherwort and they severely girdled the, and the motherwort just kept growing and kept surviving. And, and, the, and the bees like it. And that's another thing that I'm just pay more attention to is like the pollinators and like what kind of flowers are attracting all three beneficial insects, like the, you know, the beetles, the, the native bees and the honeybees and, and, and to seeing what, oh, it's like what flowers are, I'm, I'm just more aware of everything in the garden now and just really paying attention to the pollinators and the and pollen and flowers and what's flowering when and, and, and trying to spread that out throughout the season so that not only do the pollinators always have food, but the beneficial insects always have food. And yeah. I just love uh, plants. Do you have any favorite companion plants? I mean, Not, not, it's hard to just to pick, you know, one, but, you know, I definitely like, you know, basil and holy basil, just, I just love pesto, you know, and it's nice to have that in the flowering, but um, for like flowers, you know, the, the Mexican sunflowers really helped, really helped us like one, because it attracts the, the thrip predators and we've had bad thrip problems. So, you know, I, I thank them, for, I'm thankful for that, like that one right now in my life and also the uh, sunflowers with the small seeds because they attract the birds that eat those and those birds also eat caterpillars. Um, but one thing I wanna try for the, um, is more bat boxes because we have some bats that live like in the ranch house and the garden below the ranch house doesn't have the caterpillar problems. And so someone was telling me that the bat is like the first line of defense there. This eating the moth before it lays the eggs um and i'm i like i'm big into apples right now i got we have like 20 varieties of apples i know it's not a companion plant but it's like on the farm in the rows and and just trying to plant like what flowers work well and 
and then I'm also getting, since we don't have a lot of water, I'm getting into like planting more sages and uh, lavenders and, you know, more drought tolerant things that are also uh, flowering and just seeing what really does well. So we have several different varieties of lavender just to see what kind of is establishing itself in the, in the microclimate. And like hummingbird sage really seems to be taken off or more than some of the other ones. And you know, I really like butterfly bush. There's something about the flower of a butterfly bush that just smells like a honeycomb. Uh, and lilacs. Of course, you know, calendula seems to be pretty hardy, pretty easy to spread around. Comfrey, yeah, definitely comfrey is one thing we're trying just every year just incre increase the population of. Uh, Got a lot of yellow dock. I guess diversity, I say, would say is like the companion plant I'm, I'm most attracted just to keep increasing that diversity. Is there, is there anything that you would say don't grow or that has been kind of a pain and maybe you decided not to grow it in near the cannabis? Um, no, but then again, we don't have the water and we're in like this hot drug because like people say, oh, don't grow this. It'll just take over. I've never experienced that in our climate, which just doesn't seem to have in our microclimate that just doesn't have the and we're also like northwest slopes like part of our farm is just like frozen in the winter time for like a long time. So I, I just don't I've never seen anything, even the things that people say like, oh, don't grow that really take over except for um what was already there like the it has that little purple flower maybe it's like myrtle it's like that vine stuff on the i have seen some vines but then they weren't that hard to get rid of like to pull up and but what a there are some grasses that um can be invasive but i don't came up in like the rice straw and has like these really thick clumpy roots I don't know what that's kind of can like really take over a cannabis bed if it left unchecked. I don't know what it is. And there's that one grass that can really destroy a farm. We don't have it. It's like the creeping grass where like the roots are just under the soil forever. But we haven't had any issues with things where they've taken a, gotten out of control. Awesome. Well, um, it's been about an hour. Uh, I don't know if you want to call it or if you want to uh, take off. Uh, I'll leave that up to you. Um, yeah, I should, you know, probably get some work done and some sleep done <laughs> with a sure. uh, with a one week old. And <laughs> I also think that mushroom chocolate I took before story time is now kicking in. <laughs> Um, I did have uh, one last question I wanted to ask you. Uh, you do a lot of work with purple strains. Um, do you want to mm -hmm. talk a little bit about that and um, some of the cool ones that you have? Because those are some of the hot ones that are highest in demand. And do you have any purple autos? Because I don't, I'm not aware of too many people that have any. Uh, yeah. So my first purple strain I got, I was buying some plants for my older brother who needed something to fill out from a neighbor because he was on the other side of the valley and he did like some plants to fill out grow. And I asked the guy who I was getting the plants from, I was like, Hey, which one of these would you recommend I keep to um, make seeds on? And he said, Oh, you got to keep 
in Infinity, uh, which his boss had bought from a Canadian seed company. And I haven't been able to find any information on it, but it has 50-50 purple to green phenotypes. And the one plant that I kept was a nice chunky purple phenotype of it. And I crossed it in with our blueberry Afghan. And then I, I did get pure seeds of it later from one of the other neighbors who got some pure, made a pure cross of it. I do have pure, and it's like a really nice sativa that the guy who sourced the seed said that he found out that um, a Canadian drug company like bought the rights to this plant because it's like really good for treating um, depression or something. And they, have, it's you can't find, it's like, the internet's been scrubbed of it or something. You can't find any information on it anymore. That was like my first purple plant. And I do have some lines of that going. I think I have like third generation um, of the infinity blueberry Afghan seeds. Um, and it also has really, it has really nice floral terps. And they get huge outdoors. Like the pure ones are, are late flowering. Was it, was it, Burn? it Bernie's? Oh, fucking yeah. Whatever that is. Look those up. I mean, this one had like a really, really floral turfs in it. And um, definitely still growing. I'm, I'm hoping to breed them to be a hundred percent purple phenotypes like uh the velvet perps which is that covalo strain that we're growing from sunroots which has definitely worked more in generations and it, and that's nice too because it's a hundred percent um purple phenotypes and we may or we may not be releasing the velvet perp seeds to the market with in the collaboration with sunroots like they gave it to us and they're like don't give it out i'm like sure no problem and i'm just growing and breeding with them and you know, I always make way too many seeds of crosses. Just it just happens. So I, you know, and I was working on this project that like they wanted. They grew some of it out, and they're like, one of the guys is a clone company. He goes, "Hey, can we clone this?" I'm like, they said not to give it out. He's like, well, when you ask them, I'm like, ah, sure, I'll I'll ask them. And but they were kind of into it, and so we might be releasing it as a seed. Cause like, Oh, you want to get it out there. We could do a little co-branded, you know, seed release, you know, so it'd be the sunroots velvet perps pride of the line selections. And, and I think like Kaya does that, like he's going to release the velvet coffee seeds I made. It's kind of like a nice way to collab with people who, you know, if you're working with their genetics and, you know, do a little co-branded seed release. So I, that's some fun projects I'll have coming up this year where with some people we'll, we'll see how they go. And, and then I've, been breeding with the velvet perps which is really nice because it does sometimes the purple doesn't come across in that first generation too or like i cannot find a i have kept a lot of males of some of my velvet perp crosses and don't get a purple one and, but then joey showed me a purple one of it i'm like oh man give me some ball um and then yeah we we do and i am breeding those into auto flowers and then that purple calibre is a uh, has some very purple phenos in it and also has floral notes kind of like the infinity like really unique floral like jasmine green tea terps that are coming off of it um which 
I really like. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, I've always, I mean, it's just a extra beautiful cannabis plant, the purple. So they're definitely been fun to breed with. And yeah, they are in more popularity now. And in some places they, you know, they've never left that popularity then. trying to think of what other and i'm sure you've seen like the purple plants but it's more like something to do with the sun like half the plant will be purple and the other half will be purple oh yeah we have uh, I have a couple of them that are just purple on the bottom you know and just yeah. dark on top i always love that it looks so pretty and if you ever want to slam the purple you just give them a little extra molybdenum give them like 0.1 parts per million molybdenum or 0.2 and they'll, it'll slam that anthocyanin production on it if they have the genetics for it. Okay, and that, that'll just make them darker? Or? Yeah, well, it just increases the anth because it'll produce extra anthocyanin to help bind up some of the molybdenum because um, excess molybdenum can affect nitrogen a little bit or makes it super efficient for the plant to process uh, nitrogen. And also, if you ever dose too much nitrogen in your soil mix and you're going into flour and you're like, fuck, 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 my nitrogen's a little too high, you can always you know, overdose some molybdenum or valinium. Both of them work interchangeably in the plant as far as that hormone uh, production is concerned, or uh, not hormone, but the, the compound that, that's needed. And uh, yeah, in fact, there was just um, a cool video today talking about this with um, Harvey Smith on one of the other podcast things. Um, I don't remember the channel. Um, sorry, whoever it is that had it, but. They had a cool breakdown on this with Harvey Smith uh, from, uh, or formerly from NPK University. So. All right, well, thank you so much uh, for coming on. Um, let me put your website and your uh, Instagram back up here so people can find you. Um, do you want to tell everybody how they can uh, uh, find you or reach out to you and, or get a hold of you if they want to try and get a hold of some of your beans? Yeah, I, I just have a, an email list right now. Um, which is pride of the lion seeds at gmail um i think our catalog right now has 150 varieties that are currently available um you know watch out for those scam accounts you know there's like a, the pride of lion seed is the fake account it's the and just look for like you know one good piece of advice if you're trying to figure out who a, the scammers are is look how long an account's been active and what people are tagging you in because, you know, you can buy followers, but you can't buy people growing your gear and posting about it. Um, but yeah, uh, Pride of Line Seeds on Instagram, Heart Rock Mountain Farm on Instagram uh, for like the family farm. And, you know, shoot us a message that if you want to see our, our seed list there, or if you can remember to send me an email at Pride of the Line Seeds at Gmail and I'll, I'll forward you over a catalog. Yeah, that was a, a GMO clone from that from that winter run that was picking off some mature seeds. So this will be a fun. And this the male was the uh, Lion Claw Tahoe Kim bred fully auto. I'm excited for that one. You know, for breeding those hash autos, we have a couple autos that we're excited for for hash. I have a sour banana sherbet OG uh, auto now, and then my blueberry Afghan diesel auto, and my blueberry Afghan auto and the blueberry skittles auto just yeah that's also something people are very interested in these days so i think i get more 
when people come for seeds, they're like, what washes? They, they want to know what washes. Quite a few awesome grow picks on here. And then like you were saying, look at what the tagged are and, and look at the, yeah look 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 who's tagging you because there are so many scams out there these days like you know there's so many you know people trying to i know it's hard times but and yeah well we are starting to get out there and bend some more which has been fun like some more local stuff and yeah that's awesome and wish you much success and uh congratulations mostly on your 10 day old breathing project that's a gotta yeah be exciting. yeah it's number three and number three in the lineage so yeah i'm right on i'm a fit boy or girl i was a uh, girl so older congratulations five, man five-year-old awesome. boy two-year-old girl and, and one week old girl I was with, I was already outgunned. Now I'm outnumbered, you know, it's like my <laughs> five-year-old awesome, boy. Oh yeah. He wakes up in the morning. Like he's on espresso. It's that little boy energy. He does like a little boy war cry in the morning. He's like, ay, 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 ay. I'm like, what is going on here? Oh. Energy siphon so we can extract it from the young ones. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome, man. All right. Well, thank you so much for your time. And uh, thanks for, for uh, uh, allowing us to reschedule after uh, schedules got a little oh, crazy. Oh, yeah. yeah it's, been, uh, it's been a fun on chat, and I'm going to get some work done and get some sleep, man. But, uh, yeah, I look forward to seeing what you do with, the, with those lion claw beans. You're going to be growing them in hydroponics? So I have some I'm going to be growing in soil, and then I will be also cool. growing hydroponics at the house, and then we're going to we have another spot. We're going to be running them in aquaponics and DWC. Cool. All right. Well, have a good night, you guys. Cheers. Thanks for coming. How's it going, Wes? Pretty good. Pretty good. Just work. What, uh, what do you got going in the garden? Uh, the, I, uh, let's see, I got some, uh, Oaxacan Thai that's just gone into flower, some, uh, black garlic from Jordan of the Island that's, uh, gone, uh, that's gone into flower too. I got some, um, uh, some ethos gear. It's, uh, it was, it was, uh, fuck, what was the name? God damn it. It's a Skittle, it's a Skittles OG, OG lap crossed, uh, with Mendo Purp. It was Mendo Bendo. That's what it's called. And uh, that that's about a I don't know two three weeks away from coming down and yeah that's about that's about all I got I got a bunch of other seeds popped and coming up in the in the garden so just looking for stuff just playing around like normal you know how about you what you growing what you got going in the garden these days just uh, hold on I can pull up pictures here make sure I pull up the right ones here. All right, so I was all right, so I was out in Puerto Rico and uh, 
trying to find the growth facility. So this is one of the larger, I was visiting one of the larger facilities out there. Uh, you can see it looks like more like a prison. <laughs> <laughs> so it's kind of fucking cool. it's dry there right now. Very well, that part of the island is very dry. Okay. Um, which is where most of the bigger grows are. Um, trying to find, here we go. I was going to pull this up. This is some of the buds that are growing down there. Nice. Those look nice. Um, some of the caterpillars, uh, Helicopter, Ozea, or one of the hybrids. Trying to document them. So, just trying to figure that all out so that we can kill them. That's fun. And a little uh, little guy there. Little nasty some, uh, fucker. Some really nice buds, though. A lot of them were totally yep. resistant to them. There wasn't. There was only. It seemed to be a, a couple of strains that had them on it, and the other ones were pretty resistant, or they just weren't on them for whatever reason. Yeah. Huh. So. Yeah. Different buds, but they had a uh, plastic down, so they got to get rid of the plastic and get to cover crops, you know. Yep, um, no, that doesn't help. That it just doesn't it's work. Not help. It's not, not the right just type of burns plant. the roots. Yeah, yeah, it just it burns most, the roots. So, usually, they're not even smart enough to put down white plastic, usually, they put down black plastic. Yeah, and then they also had this um, leaf miner. Seem to be pretty common. And also that leaf miner was fucking up. Went to a different grow and they had lots of um, coffee. Yeah. Uh, there's some nice purple ones. But the coffee was getting super fucked up by the leaf miners. Like real, real bad. Um, yeah, they definitely need to have some, some ideas for it. But yeah, I don't know. It, definitely a harder insect to treat than most of your other ones, you know. But that's what's fun going and documenting these different things that they have going on. Again, this is just in a minor uh, section of it, but this was interesting too. So this was damaged from termites that bored into the base of the plant. Didn't yep. kill it, but just were like living in the base of it and made this giant gall. So the base of this plant was like three times bigger than all the other plants. And they were like living inside of it. And it's like some kind of weird, like, semi-parasitic ant that doesn't kill the plant. I thought that was strange. I'd never seen that. So before. weird. I've never seen that. I've never seen anything like that. Yeah. So this was, uh, I guess they had their, the top of the plant was chopped down and everything. So the plant was dead. So they'd moved on to somewhere else, but that's what they said did this damage. Huh. That's crazy. That is crazy. That was definitely some of the weirder shit that I've seen in a while. Um, and then just uh, some gra light grasshopper damage here and there. Um, you know, a couple of spider mites at the one facility, but. I didn't realize 
uh, Puerto Rico who had had, uh, had a medical or what is it? What is the state of it there? Just medical. Just medical. They trip you too. So they have these. Um, I thought I so like forget the weed. I thought this was crazy. So this is some type of bizarre um, milkweed. Has these uh, funky leaves that they're flowers, milkweed flowers at the top, huge milkweed leaves. But it's like these weird like trees. It's like something out of like Dr. Seuss. <laughs> I've fucking never seen them either. Chance it's not a milkweed, but it sure as fuck seems like it. It's look the flower structure was like it. The leaves were like it at a, a lat, you know latex sap. Something in the family, anyways. Yeah, really bizarre. I don't know. I was totally nerding out over that more than the weed at the farm. <laughs> <laughs> this is fucking weird. This is huge. It's taller than I am. <laughs> it's a fucking milkweed. This thing should be like knee high. <laughs> that was cool. Um, yeah. Here's a different facility. Again, this is another way to do it. So they're doing like an outer skin of like drip screening. And then they have the greenhouses that are also thrip screened inside. So they have like two or three layers of screen. Mm -hmm. um, and then they're doing it that way on the south side, but it's quite a few of them doing it this way. It's kind of like pseudo indoor production, um, but still uses mostly sunlight. So that was kind of different. That's gonna be, that's gonna be a nice bud, man. Um, what else do I got? I got some other cool pictures. Um, a bunch of papayas and bananas and shit that's probably not interesting. Um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, had a cool little smoking buddy the one day. Oh, yeah? <laughs> <laughs> that's a badass looking lizard, looking tree lizard. Ready to jump up. Drink, drink from my glass. The dew from my glass in the morning. It was fucking sweet. Had clearly gotten used to doing that. Oh yeah. But uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, Puerto Rico is really cool. Definitely uh, want to do some. Yeah. Also got a chance to hang out with. Um, uh, I'll throw him up on the screen too because he was super cool. Um, Puerto Rican KNF. Super, super fun time hanging out with him. Nice. Closed out the bar down there. That was fun. So. Fuck okay. yeah. But, uh, yeah. Thing. yeah. Um, definitely, though, uh, everybody should be checking out the Regen Conference this weekend. Uh, I'm hopefully flying out on Thursday. Uh, we have a bit of a storm coming, but it looks like it looks like it's pushing east a little bit on the last time I checked. So hopefully it keeps doing that. Um, we have uh, Michigan here, February 25th through 27th. Uh, we also have a live stream tickets for that as well. You can get that online if you want to watch that from home. And then we'll be up in Maine, March 25th through 27th. Um, and then uh, uh, up in Dresden, Maine. Uh, and then we'll be in Oklahoma. Uh, April 29th through May 1st. It'll be a lot of fun. And um, yeah, check it out. Yeah. Always good times. You got uh, Dr. Elaine Ingham, Chris Trump, Susan Wainwright Evans, Kevin Jodry, 
Eric Branstead, uh, Michael Box, um, Nick Mahmood, uh, Wade Laughter. Oh, I'm sorry, Nick, I don't think, I don't know if Nick's gonna be a machine or not, I forget. Um, but there's a bunch of other breeders as well that are not on here um, on the panels and stuff like that. I know Nick Resden's doing a whole panel on Sunday. Um, so check that out. Look, for you bean hoarders, you, you will pay for your ticket price in beans just for going. Yeah, so on Sunday, we have a huge seed swap. And, uh, you know, if you bring something to share, you will get a fuck ton of seeds. So definitely make sure you bring something and uh, and we'll get you all kinds of good goodies. Uh, there's a lot of cool people that have a lot of different cool stuff. Um, so just bring something. Uh, even if we have cannabis seeds, you got some other cool heirloom plant that you have at home. People are always down for that too. Uh, I, you know, we were talking about that earlier on the podcast, so definitely check that out. And then uh, you guys can check out my website over at um, apmjclass.com. Uh, Marty and I have a uh, over 700 slide class now uh, over on, uh, on Teachable. Uh, it tells you all the different types of things about how to grow aquaponic cannabis. We have commercial uh, walkthroughs, a bunch of awesome stuff, um, disease guides and treatments, uh, insect guides, viral guides, all different types of cool stuff, hybridization with mushroom production and, uh, and a whole lot more. So um, uh, definitely check that out. A bunch of how-to guides, a bunch of additional bonus content that we don't have up on YouTube. Uh, and then you can also check me out over at apmjnutes.com, uh, N-U-T-E-S. Uh, and uh, take you here, uh, and we have a whole bunch of flowering kits and veg kits. You can uh, click on your kit here, check, you know, select how many gallons your system is up to 1500 gallons, uh, or uh, select the other option if you want to do more. Uh, select how many weeks of flowering nutrients that you want for your, your line, uh, and it helps, uh, you know, balance all the water in your main aquaponic system. So you don't need to, to um, uh, have that uh, as an issue. Um, as of a commercial supplementation uh, uh, thing as well. So if you're running a commercial facility and you need help with your nutrients and aquaponics, we can help you out. And then we also have everything available in bulk if you just wanna buy it and do your own thing. Uh, all these nutrients when used as directed with the instructions provided uh, are fish safe and, uh, and will not harm the fish. So um, uh, definitely check that out. Uh, they're also low in heavy metals. We test for all that stuff and are very uh, uh, scrutinous about uh, you know, what, what he, uh, Roger sells uh, he does all my fulfillment and stuff like that. So it's a super great, uh, super great partnership there. Basically, uh, people kept asking me, where can I get nutrients? Where can I get nutrients? Where can I get nutrients? Well, um, we just kind of decided to put together a little uh, a portal for that just to kind of make life easy for everybody. Uh, Alrighty, and then you can also find us on um, SoundCloud and, uh, and, and um, iTunes and on Spotify and on all the things so definitely check that out uh, if you're looking for uh, us to listen to uh, we have uh, tune in we're on iHeartRadio. radio uh, so we're on over 250 different por uh, podcast portals now so check it out and we post a ton of different cool content uh, i'm working on putting a bunch of new content out uh, and some shorter form of content and more specific topic content. I'm going to be launching my Patreon soon and we're going to have uh, basically all the content is going to still end up on YouTube, but uh, if you want to have access to it a month or two early, 
Um, you can check it out over there and then we'll also do a couple uh, separate uh, live stream and stuff like that over there as well. So uh, yeah, just kind of a way to help uh, support the show uh, after all these years, uh, we're going to try and, uh, 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 yeah, I, I think it'll be You fun. should, I, you've, you should. I, I will, I've gained a lot from this show over the years. I've been, uh, this was one of the first ones that I, one of the first podcasts I started following. Uh, when I started down the uh, organic route. Appreciate it. Um, so yeah, looking forward to doing that. And then I uh, have a bunch of cool content coming up for you guys. We'll be off to uh, Michigan this weekend. We'll be hanging out with Jordan River over there. And then Jordan River's coming here the week after that. And we're going to be running around causing more chaos uh, like we did last time he was out here. So that'll be fun. We'll go do some more filming and have some more fun. Have another meetup uh, again. Uh, over at, at Guyatt's here uh, probably next Friday. Um, I don't know if that's been announced yet, but it is now. Uh, <laughs> um, but uh, let me see what else. Um, and then uh, uh, after that, uh, we'll be up into Maine. And then after Maine, I got to uh, stop by in Philly. I see what I can do about squirreling my way into a, a grow or two there to do some filming. Uh, and then uh, we'll be off to Georgia. So I'll have a big update uh, in the beginning of, of April on the Georgia farm. And um, we'll have a, kind of show you guys all that plumbing and all that craziness that I've kind of showed you guys some pictures of and stuff on Instagram. But uh, you, you guys haven't really seen the whole thing in action. So that'll be really fun to kind of show you guys a fully, you know, fully aut more automated uh, commercial scale aquaponics facility. Uh, I think you guys are going to like it a lot. So um, that's going to be cool. And then um, just have a bunch of other cool stuff. We have a, a new project working with a group in Argentina uh, and some other new things. So we just got a, a lot of cool larger scale projects this year uh, and um, just a lot of neat stuff to, to talk to you guys about and show you guys this year compared to, to last year. Uh, things are kind of heating up a little bit uh, uh, on this side of the pond. So uh, we'll see. And then uh, eventually at some point this year, we'll make it back to Africa and Jamaica. So um, yeah we got all that stuff to look forward to as far as uh, content. And then I have a whole cool series of YouTube channel videos I'm not going to mention yet, but uh, we're going to be launching first on the Patreon a, a ton of KNF stuff that's hyper-specified, uh, a ton of um, like how-to guys and why you should and shouldn't do some some different things at the commercial scale, uh, you know, especially if you're doing, you know, you know, more than just a couple of plants. A lot of the stuff's going to be on, on that, so I'll definitely check that out. All righty. Uh, a West Engine, how do people find you and if they want to find your content? Yeah, I guess you could share. I don't usually shout out my Instagram, but I have an Instagram. It's just West Engine. Um, and, but you can mainly find me over Humidor and Flavors uh, show there. That's a little more uh, lax of a weed show with more smoking and drinking and carrying on. It's uh, kind of a little bit like a lounge, a little bit of like uh, hanging with your buddies and uh, a little bit of bullshitting and uh, yeah, a little bit of serious talk at times too. So uh, yeah, you can check us out there Tuesdays, Wednesdays, Wednesdays and Saturdays uh, uh, here on YouTube or on podcast form. But uh, thanks for having me, Potent. Always a pleasure to be on here. Uh, not always able to get on, but uh, always grateful for the invites. So thank you. And uh, you guys can find me on Potent Ponics on everything. <laughs> um, and uh, apmjclass.com, apmjnudes.com. I will be flying into Michigan, barring the weather, on Thursday. So if you're going to hang out, I will be somewhere, wherever the fuck it is, Whitmore Lake, I think it is, uh, just north of Ann Arbor. So if you're, you're there, 
hit me up. Maybe we can grab a, a smoke or a late dinner or something or a late drink uh, on Thursday. And then uh, I think um, Jordan's going to be doing some kind of um, like after after event bar meetup or something on Sunday evening, maybe like six or seven. Uh, I got to find out a little more info, but uh, I think that's going to be happening somewhere near there as well. So definitely check that out. It'll be me, Rise of Rich, uh, Jordan River, and I'm sure a bunch of people from the Regen Conference. So um, definitely check that out as well. Uh, we'll have a good time. Um, it was really fun last time we were in Michigan. Uh, I think it's been, what, two or three years now. It was, yeah, so um, yeah, it's been going to be a good time. Uh, always cool to hang out there and they have this whole new uh, event venue for for Brogan MI so we're super stoked to to be one of the first people to present there and, and use that space so we're grateful to them as well so um definitely check them out if you're up in Michigan all right guys uh, we'll catch you guys again uh, we will not have a show on Thursday I will be attempting to fly into Michigan in a snowstorm so we'll see how that goes uh, and then um, next week we have I believe we have um, Mean Gene from Mendocino. Let me double check. Yes, next episode will be next Thursday. We have Mean Gene and Mendocino. So that'll be fun. Um, and then after that, we have uh, Scotty Reel. Uh, it's going to be the following Monday. Uh, and then uh, on the 7th of March. And then on the 10th of March, we have Jackson Gross, uh, the director of aquaculture at University of California, UC Davis. Uh, so that's going to be super awesome. He's got a bunch of really cool stuff to talk to us about. Uh, and then we have the Rooted Leaf the week after that. So um, it's going to be a, a really cool lineup as far as uh, coming up. And then we might go back to doing two shows a week. It's going to kind of depend on my travel schedule, um, but we're going to do some more Monday shows. Uh, here and there. I know that we don't always get quite as many viewers, but uh, uh, I have a bunch of cool guests that I want to, you know, record soon and, and they're wanting to do some episodes and stuff uh, while they have time before the main growth season. So we're going to keep doing some cool content. So, yeah, man. Thanks everybody uh, for watching and uh, we'll catch you guys again next time.